Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. The Evolution NHS, we're committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. We collaborate with NHS organisations to help them build high-performing digital teams. We achieve this by curating and sharing insights into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industries best practices. So I'm Rose from Evolution uh, and today I'm your host. My panel today consists of four leaders from South West London's Integrated Care Board. I've got Sam Green, Larissa Page, Jamie Jong and Jane Thorpe. So just to let everybody know, we have our panellists on and the views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect official position or policy of their organisations. So I'd love to hear from the panellists themselves. So I'm going to come to you all individually. Uh, Sam, if you can start us off, please. Hi, I'm Sam Green. Um, I lead on population health management in South West London, um, and uh, which is a, a I'll come on to describe that a little bit later on, but I uh, work in a team of two, so it's quite a small team, but we're focused on, on population health management. Um, I'm passionate at work about patients and their experience of the care they receive, but not just those that are receiving it, but those about health promotion and prevention. So really focused on patient care, really. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks for joining me as well. Um, Jane, I'll come see you next. Hi, I'm Jane Thorpe. I'm Deputy Director of Innovation and Transformation at Southwest London. Um, I am super passionate about helping the NHS to shift from reactive disease-specific treatment to proactive personalized wellness and using collaboration, innovation, data and analytics, as well as um, empowering patients um, to support their own health. Oh, fantastic. Thanks, Jane. And thanks again for joining me. Uh, Larissa, I'll come to you next. I'm Larissa Page. I'm Programme Director for Workforce and AD at South West London ICB. Uh, and anything really related to workforce, really, programmes um, from looking at retention, how to attract people, um, how to uh, improve their, their working life, um, apprenticeship, loads of different things, anything really related to workforce. But uh, you can guess that a lot of things I'm passionate about in the world of work, are primarily people. Uh, and really helping them bring their best self to work, really, and helping them to thrive and work in an environment that helps really um, bring that to the fore. You know, being a service industry, it's all about the people that that help provide that service. So, um, yeah, passionate about lots of things concerning that. Excellent. Oh, thank you, Larissa. And lastly, Jamie. Hi, I'm Jamie Jung, Deputy Director of Business Intelligence and Analytics for South West London. Uh, I look after all the analytics functions for the system. So the, we've got, there's about 30 analysts we look after. Um, so everything from data, insights, and so on, um, and, and PHM, obviously. The thing I'm very passionate about, and I think this might be to the amusement of my maths teacher, is numbers. So numbers and how we use numbers to make change and excite people which we'll come on to in a bit. Oh, brilliant. Thank you all again. Uh, we'll get on to the questions now that the intros are done. So I'll come to you, Sam. So you're going to help with what is population health management, if you don't if you don't mind kicking that off. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, population health management, but it's a, a way of working, really. So it helps us to understand what our current health and care needs are and how we can predict what local people might need um, and how we can help for the future. 
and what we can do to intervene there. Obviously, we need to make use of data and digital and information um, to help us in that planning and analysing. But it's really important we don't just look at health data. We need to look at the wider determinants. So it might be housing, um, public health data. It could be a wide range of things that are um, local authority information about the areas they, they live in and, and things like that. And bring them together and see what it's really telling us. It's also important that we don't just focus on the data, but we use the insights or patient voice. So we really understand what those patients in those communities um, are telling us about um, their experience of care and put that together with the data and information and also maybe using voluntary sector organisations, community services and really building that picture to, to look and see what might be needed in those areas and maybe uncover um, unmet need and design interventions that might change the way people receive their care because it's really based on what they're telling us about where they might like to receive that and how they might like to receive that care and really focus on health improvement and prevention and outcomes um, and really target um, and look at any inequality and inequity um, there as well. And then evaluate that and see whether that has met the needs of the people or the patients in that area. Say patients quite a lot, but I probably mean people as well, because patients um, and the people that are living in those areas really need to feel um, involved in, in designing and helping to create new ways of um, receiving the services or the health improvement messages, the support they need to live healthy um, lives moving forward. Fantastic. Thank you, Sam. Um, before we move on to our next question, would anyone else like to add to Sam's point? Um, I can jump in. So I think this is really, really, really new for the NHS. Um, using data and analytics to change your services is really common and has been around for decades in other industries. So um, I think this is something that is exciting, but it's also really hard. And this is why I'm really glad Larissa is on the line because workforce models will need to change. People will need to work differently. We'll have to get out of our safe spaces. Um, we'll have to empower people in communities to work, to be part of the change, et cetera. So it's really exciting because we're gonna work differently to solve problems we have been trying to solve for decades. So just to get people excited. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jane. And Larissa, I'll come see you. Yeah, oh, thank you, Jane, for that. And I also think, like, um, you know, if you've got people in, in the workforce that reflect the communities uh, that we're looking to serve in terms of population health, they'll be aware of some of those things. They live them every day, don't they? And so they'll bring that to the, to the, the fore. They'll, they'll introduce that in their ways of working. But I think it's also really important for those people in the community to be reflective and reflected in all different positions and different grades and different bands. So they also have an opportunity and ability to to change our approach in from a leadership perspective. Um, so I think, you know, it, population health management isn't just in terms of people that we're serving, but also those that we employ and, and how they approach their work. Great. Thank you, Larissa. And Jamie, lastly? I'll touch on a difficult subject of money as well, because PHM can discuss the financial aspects of it. So the economy's heading in a difficult position. NHS is a bit stretched at the moment. So PHM will help us identify those big opportunities, those things that we don't usually look at in terms of data and how it can be more effective um, or under the guise of trying to be cheaper as well. So trying to do things differently. Bob, thank you so much. Um, Sam, anything else to add before we move on to the next question? Or are you happy with that? 
No, just to reiterate, it is a new way of working and everyone does need to um, to learn and, and understand the new, new ways of doing it. And I think and that's really interesting. That's why we're all here today, because I think we all bring different elements to it. Because it, as Larissa was saying, it's not just um, the services, it's the people, but delivering those services that um, can really change and, and be influenced by what they hear as well. So it's it's really, really exciting. Absolutely. Brilliant. So our next question is to Jamie. So how is BI and analytics important to the NHS? I think that's a big question. And it is important because we're now in a digital world. And for once, especially since COVID, data analytics and the concept of numbers is quite cool at the moment. And what we're, it is cool because we, we're humans. We want to quantify things. And healthcare is a, something has always been difficult to quantify, but with that mess of data, we can start to put it together, start to understand behavior, start to use numbers to learn. Um, and it's also comforting, strangely, I don't know if you've seen your social media posts or social media world, but there's, there's lots of numbers going around. I know during COVID, there's lots of fake news and fake numbers going on as well, but we can use numbers to show people what is accurate, what's true and get people more comfortable with their own healthcare and the kind of things they need to change we can start to quantify as well uh, in a more work term we analytics is important now because we need to start using that data to predict and plan um, and we spoke about phm just now but how we can be more productive with the resources we've got as well and again uh, that uses numbers so lots of numbers lots of data to bring together and the the stretch goals the things we can en enhance with behind analytics is the signposting which we're getting our heads around in terms of the NHS. So how do we use all that predictive and performance data to start to, start to tell people what's, um, what things we need to do? So it could be signposting for staff or even signposting for individuals because we can start to see patients' interaction with the health system um, and start to task teams as well. So we can start to touch on concepts of things like artificial intelligence, using that to tell us how we can be most productive not personally, but how we can be more productive as a system during the day or during the week or the month and the kind of resources we need to pump into that. Um, and to do all that, there's data, lots of data that we need to talk about. So there's all the community, mental health, local authority, acute, primary care, and it goes on. But as Sam touched on, there's the less countable things. So things like um, things we, we rarely bring up when we measure pathways, things like blood pressures, uh, blood glucose levels, um, patient well-being scores we can start to look at. I think that starts to move on to the personalised care part of the, the world and how the how data can start to support that. Um, and then there's the, the very difficult things to get hold of. There's social determinants, device data, um, pollen pollution indexes, those kind of environmental things you can bring in as well. So things that can tell us why data looks the way it does or, or behavior traffic journey times as well we can bring in and the big thing i want to work on in the future is the concepts of happiness and health so we talk a lot about health uh, of the population but what we can do with all this data is to start to look at what a, a happiness index looks like down to a, a, an individual level and it's, it's a difficult term it's difficult to measure happiness but we can do things like measure biological measures Measure the size of someone's smile. Well, if someone's not smiled for a while, it could be as simple as that. But I think it's the main part is that humans are predictable. 
if someone starts to drop out of that positive, predictable loop, we can start to measure that happiness and start to understand where the healthcare system can can better target. So, yeah, big big things, but that's where analytics must head into the future. Something that's more difficult to measure. Oh, I think that's absolutely amazing, to be honest, and things that you wouldn't even consider. So thanks for adding that, Jamie. Um, does anyone have anything to add? Everyone. <laughs> I'll come to Larissa first. I think Jamie, my math teacher, would be equally shocked to hear me saying that. And I don't know if I love numbers, but I love data. And there's a wealth of data out there, isn't there? And I think for me, it's, uh, yeah, data has become sexy, hasn't it? But I think it's because you can do so much with it now can't you and you can connect different strands of data in different ways that tell such a compelling and interesting story but i think ultimately it's to help us make really informed decisions uh based on on actual what's the reality of what's going out on out there through using those different data sets and a really i think sometimes quite we could be quite innovative in the, in the different streams of data we pull together to get under the skin of things and and I've been doing that recently with my teams. And it really gets to the heart of the issues really quickly for you to have a really focused and really interesting conversation that can really make the difference to some of those wicked uh, issues and problems that we're faced with. So, yeah, I love data. Jamie's my new friend. <laughs> it's personalised data as well. How does it affect you and your family? And I... I'm not going to name drop companies, but I, I get we do we all get a few fees about how how much you've used an app for a certain amount of time. I, I play a lot of games on the on the console, and that tells me how how I'll spend a bit too much time, or I've sat in one place a bit too long, uh, and it tells me to step away for a bit. So all those personal things that data can target. Yeah, it gives you that gentle reminder. Yeah. <laughs> um, brilliant. I'll come to Jane now. Um, I was just going to say, so I think going back to population health management, it's really awesome to have this data. But I think where we're struggling in the NHS right now is one, operationalizing the data. So when Jamie and I set up population health management, we could tell you who was going to end up in hospital. And we're like telling everyone and we we couldn't move the system around to to operationalize that data so that's one challenge and i guess the reason that's a challenge is because nhs financials the funding the resources are currently stuck in current silos of care and to really try to start shifting some of some of those things around is so hard so again this goes back to how do you operationalize the data and where do you even start so we we come up with a lot of pilots, but it's how then do you take a pilot and, and make really substantial system change? And I think that's probably where we're quite stuck, Sam. Um, I don't know your opinion on that. But yeah, so having really great data is important. But then what? And, and how do you, you move things around to make the change? Sam, do you want to respond? Yeah, no, I was going to say as well. Data, I, I too, with my maths teacher or any teacher, would probably not re ever think of me and data going together. But I'm fascinated by it because what you, it can tell you about now and how you can see what, what might be happening and the application of it is amazing. Um, and also finding out what new pieces of data are out there. Sometimes we find, don't we, Jamie, we're working with colleagues and they say, well, did you know about this data? You're thinking of that energy efficiency of housing one and this data that we can put together and it is amazing yes jane it is really new and difficult to put some of all the all these things together um 
But we have to start somewhere. And I think pilots are great to start and really demonstrate and show how we can make some of those changes. And again, um, let people see what, what influence data can have and how we can make that, that change. Um, I'm rambling a bit now, sorry, because I've lost my train of thought. But, um, <laughs> That's all right, but it is about making, you know, helping people understand the importance of data and inf information and insight and, you know, putting all that together for the future, really. Fab. Um, grand. So I will come to Jane now, who's going to explain um, why population health management and analytics is key for health improvement, prevention and people with long-term conditions and a note there on community empowerment. So Jane, do you want to kick us off? Sure. So I'll, I'll give an, an example of using population health management in my job. So um, I look after the long-term conditions team and what that means is someone has a chronic condition that generally will, will not get better. So they were gonna live with this condition. Uh, many of these are either preventable, delayable, and in some cases we've done in innovation pilots where we've reversed diseases. So that's things like hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, um, respiratory diseases. Um, so one of the challenges we have is that about a third of long-term conditions are undiagnosed. So people are walking around and don't even know that they have a condition that they're deteriorating. And so, for example, hypertension could lead to a stroke or heart attack. Um, it, it, it doesn't really have symptoms until you're in the hospital, but it's so easy to check. It's just a blood pressure cuff. Um, you know, we can do AF checks again, which, which lead to strokes. And again, that's just a blood pressure cuff. So it's really, really simple to find these people. So we worked with, um, so we know a couple of things. One, um, if you're black, South Asian, you live in areas of high deprivation um, and where you don't get a lot of preventative health care. So you don't go for your health check. You don't go to the GP often. You're more likely to attend A&E maybe than the GP. So we know where those areas are using Jamie's data. So what we did is we worked with local communities and that's churches, mosques, community centers. Um, you know, we could use schools, wherever we could find anyone willing to work with us in, er in areas that Jamie helped me identify. We, we worked with community leaders to identify local health champions. We gave them an accredited health coaching training session and we co-produced health awareness events, health detection events, and now we're um, training up people to lead prevention events in their own communities. Comple completely community-led at this stage. I come and I'm just saying, hi, I'm not needed anymore. Um, when we first set it up, it was my entire team. I'm dragging out to the Pentecostal church in Clapham um, to run the health checks. But now when I go, it's com completely community-led. It's really low cost. So generally in Southwest London, for example, your high risk of diabetes is around 9%. And some of these events, it was 50 and 60%. So you could see that we were in the right places. So my public health colleagues are quite impressed with those numbers. But what I'm impressed with is it was community led. So, you know, you see community members taking each other's blood pressure, doing the know your risk diabetes tool, they're also there week in and week out. Did you get to the GP? Did, did you? Are you taking your medicine? Uh, you're still not feeling well. Let's do another blood pressure check. 
Um, and my favorite one was I was at a Muslim women's center and they they were completely co-producing, co-leading um, the community, this uh, Somali healthy eating program. And when I walked in, they were all doing blood pressure checks, then doing an exercise program, and then talking about how they were reducing rice in their diet to control their diabetes and hypertension and weight. It was completely fantastic, very low cost. And what will be exciting for Larissa is two of those health um, champions have now gone in to work in the NHS. So it's been a really exciting program. And again, it started with Jamie and I looking at the data. How do we even start to find some of these people? And I guess it was also exciting is because we we left the NHS. We left our, our comfortable settings. We had to do things on the fly. There's a lot of paper. Um, and now we're getting GPs wanting to work with us, bringing in their staff so we can really make sure to get the data back and forth, be more joined up. But it's been super exciting. And that's only one of numerous examples of starting with the data, but then really changing ways of working. That is incredible and so interesting to hear about, Jane. Would anyone like to respond or add to that? Sam? Yeah, this is the exciting part of PHM. This is PHM in action and how you can make that change um, and improve people's lives. And it's all happening at a low, in a small scale in those community settings. It's so exciting, Jane. I'd, I'd love hearing you speak about all these projects because the PHM is the way of doing it, but actually these things are the things that are actually making the difference um, to identify the people and really get the help and support um, intervention or or whatever it is that they want. And it's not us telling them, it's based on, on the information that we've got and, and see what, what can help them. So thanks, Jane, it's amazing. Oh, I love that. Jamie? Uh, so I think any advice for equivalent teams in the UK is that you do need a Jane in your system. You need someone <laughs> to operationalize the data because you get we all get prompts um, with data. So you have two options. You can, you can either sit there and look at the data, admire it, or you can actually make change, make change for the, the patients in the system. And that's what Jane really does. She understands those numbers and, and she doesn't hold back, which gives me anxiety sometimes. But <laughs> you do need someone like Jane to, to just go for it and to, to make things better for everyone. Sounds like good teamwork there as well. Ruthless. Um, Larissa? I think you've just hit the nail on the head, Jane, haven't you? It's about getting out there and connecting with communities and empowering people to, to make a change in their own lives, whether that's through employment or in terms of their own personal health. And we're involved in in programmes in Southwest London, uh, very much focused on that, linked to the Mayor Skills Academy, which is exactly that, is connecting the communities, empowering them and different partners to help them make a change in their life. But you made one thing really clear. It's about us as an employer doing things differently, getting out there and connecting and not doing the things we've always done, which is a little bit arrogant, isn't it? Just sitting back there and waiting for people to come to us. We've got to make that change and we're, we're working on programmes that are very much in line with that, Jane. Otherwise, we're not going to affect change at all. It's going to continue to be the same and we're going to get the same outcomes, aren't we? So great, fantastic outcome for those two people that have decided through that experience they want to do more to help people in their community. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. Brilliant, Brilliant stuff. Um, I think that comes quite nicely back to you, Larissa, um, to your question, which is, why do NHS employers need, sorry, what do NHS employers need to do now and in the future to attract skilled people, especially analytics? Like you planned that segue, isn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a really good question. And I really do think that is the right 
way around. You know, as employers, we need to we need to adapt. Sorry, that's my laptop. We need to adapt and reassess what we've got to offer uh, our current workforce, but also future potential employees as well. And um, and it's just as I said, it's like you know, looking at different ways to connect with people and think about you know why would they want to work for us? Um, you know, for too long now we've been in in this position where we've almost um, had the attitude almost that we, you know, people would be lucky to work for the NHS and get a job in the NHS. And I know, you know, things have changed. We're not that beacon employer that we used to be. Competition's fierce now. They've got a lot of different people they could potentially work for at, at any band of job, any grade, any pay level. Uh, so we are in competition. So we need to make sure that we're appealing to people in, in a way that um, maybe looks at things from a, what is our proposition? You know, we're values driven, aren't we? We're doing uh, service work, public service work. That is going to appeal to certain people. And I think we need to focus on that and get out and connect with people. But I also think we need to do more of what Jane's doing um, on a larger scale, which is connecting with communities, connecting with people on a personal level, um, helping them to realise their ambitions, uh, linking in with um uh, colleges and higher education institutes and, and making that connection that, you know, we want people, but again, we do need to adapt. I mean, I think, uh, you know, COVID has heightened that, that need to work differently, hasn't it? That people want that work-life balance in lots of different guises and there's no one set way. And we do, again, need to find out what that is and adapt to that. If we want diverse, skilled, innovative people to come and work with us, which then leads on to the, the analytics bit, which is very specialised. Jamie was mentioning the other day that, you know, years ago, or probably not even that long ago, uh, it was difficult for the analytics to attract women into that industry. And now things have changed and we're seeing it, a difference or difficulty in attracting men into those sorts of jobs. Um, and I don't know if that's just NHS specific, Jamie can tell us in a minute, or if that's something we're seeing industry-wide. But we need to adapt and speak to what people need and want and that's going to continually change always going to be changing so we need to we need to remain connected with what that is and then you know make that change uh but i was also talking to another colleague of mine and we're, we're just kind of discussing this in, in general really and she came up with a really interesting point and she's saying that you know in the consultancy world analytics is a baseline skill so if you go into consultants that's a baseline skill that everybody has and then they go up into their career from there we don't do it in that way. We so specialise and it's like we, we refer to people that could only do that and don't think about any sort of baseline analytical ability that we need to have ourselves with the data that already exists. You, you turn to people like Jamie to do that specialist stuff that we couldn't do. But what can we do that's within our own gift to understand what data's out there and interpret what's already there and use that in our day-to-day -day work, whatever field or profession that we're in. So I think we have really got to think differently about how we how we work uh, who we're attracting um, and how we're meeting all of those needs ultimately for our patients. I could go on, so I'm going to stop now. <laughs> no, I think it's great, Larissa. Thank you for adding that. Um, Jamie, did you want to add anything to Larissa's point that she made? Yeah, sure. So uh, she's totally right. Pre-COVID, the team was, I'm going to say it was 80 plus percent male, very male orientated. Um, and since COVID, I think a lot of the, the feedback has been due to flexible working. Um, we're not quite a, an equal society yet, but uh, our female workers, the flexible working has really helped a, a lot. They have families to look after. Um, so we're about 50, I think it's gone beyond 50-50. We've got a more female workforce than male at the moment. 
it's fantastic. <laughs> it's a more level playing field. Um, and I think that's that's really important for PHM as well, because PHM is supposed to reflect the needs of the, the community. Having an 80 plus percent male workforce, we we would, if we were doing that now, we'd inadvertently come up with some very biased outlooks on data. Um, but having that equal workforce means we can uh, run those experiences across the team and come back with a much more balanced set of insights than we could have done previously. Oh, brilliant. And Jane, to add to that? Um, I was just wondering, Jamie, what are the general credentials to get into this kind of space to work? And if you don't have them, what would someone do? Practically for that one. So we're not recruiting, we're not recruiting uh, women for the sake of it. Our interviews are pretty hard. There's a there's a maths test in the interview, an on-the-flight maths test. So everyone's uh, recruited to a level of skill. Um, but with all those needs of data I mentioned at the beginning, the, the skill requirement is very broad. So it's not just how good is your GCSC maths. Um, there's the signposting as well we can look at. Um, so there's the AI part, there's the um, making behavioral change. But sorry, but what was the question? What kind of training? Do well, we I'm just thinking because if we want to attract different workforce, the way the NHS is structured is if you don't have a college degree, you don't get past even the review of CBs. So how do we help, going back to Larissa's point, bring in different people if, if you know, or, or what would someone do? Or you have to start with a four-year degree or you just, I'm, I'm trying to be provocative. Sure. Um, so I was, I was never an academic, so I'm a, a good test subject. So what we're trying to do in Southwest London is come up with the concept of a um, analytics academy and get people, and it's not got anything to do with how many degrees you've got. It is getting people comfortable with numbers, getting them to use them on a day-to-day basis and working with the concept of local champions to get them skilled up and used to numbers. Um, especially with the, the way we've laid out our, our data model now, it's not mathematically heavy. It's the hardest skill at the moment we have for analysts is interpreting it. So you don't have to do your, your board mass or your regression work. You just need to understand how that relates to society and the kind of things you can start to tease out of it to make change. But it's slow. It's not a, an overnight change. It's I think the first win is getting people excited about numbers get them engaged and and they'll get people to understand how they can work with us to improve their their day-to-day work or make them, make them help help them make better change locally can i just jump in i so love that that really speaks to everything we're trying to do i'm so sick of hearing like they have to have a certain level of gcse math you may have done really badly in education for a range of different societal reasons i did terribly in math yeah i love data same bit like you probably jamie but you know i I use it all the time now. And yeah, if you were to go based on like GCSE results, you wouldn't even consider me. You know, we are missing out, aren't we, as employers, if we're going to be rigid and stuck to these prescribed conventional ways of, of determining your your intellect or your ability. And we've got to change that. We've got a diverse range of people working, living in Southwest London who've come from various different countries, different backgrounds, where GCSE is not a thing. And we are potentially missing out on that, that amazing uh, potential uh, ability that, that could be seen in an NHS environment. So I love that. And maybe we need to do more case studies to make that change in mindset for people and 
uh, line managers to think differently uh, to get a different outcome and a better outcome. Oh, great stuff. Thanks for throwing that spanner in the works there, Jane. Sorry to put you on the spot, Jamie. Um, Sam, I'm coming to you if that's okay. Yeah, no, that was really interesting. It's made me sit here and think differently again. I think, Larissa, you mentioned about um, people having a basic training in data and analytics when they come in. So you've got these people with these skills that may not be um, more person skills and, and the right people for the, the roles. And you can give them the, the basic training on data, digital, AI. That might start up a whole new career in, in that kind of thing because... I certainly didn't realise how important when, you know, I look back in a few years ago when I was working here, I didn't realise how important data and, and analytics would be and how interesting it is. Um, and, you know, if everyone got that opportunity at the start of their careers or even every every few years, we had to re refresh training because it's advancing so much and so quickly, this kind of area, it would, you know, um, give people those skills um, to understand and interpret and use data because it's so interesting and important, particularly for the future of us. And it's tra those are transferable skills, I guess, into the wider workforce as well outside of the NHS because um, data analytics seem to be used everywhere. Thank you, Sam. I'll come back to you, Jane. I was just going to say my background is private sector, so I've gotten tons of that training. But but the other thing you see is it helps motivate staff. So even working in, say, an NHS accounts payable department, no one understands in their box what they're doing, why they're doing it. So, you know, we had a screen up saying, you know, we get this many invoices a year. This is how many we have to process right now. This is what it means. You know, just three bullets and everyone could see, oh, it's improving. It's improving, you know. So, even you know really low level it's it's really hard to see what we're all doing i you know and how how it to measure it for your team but i think that is something potentially we could look at doing better in the nhs what are we trying to achieve together um there's a few kpis but it's like no together what are we trying to achieve in southwest london if we had a few goals i think that would be really motivating for everyone fab um just before we finish off is the any other points that any of you would like to make on any of the questions that we've spoke about today? Now, grand. It's been a, a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, I just want to say thank you to you all for joining me today and sharing your thoughts. Um, it's really insightful. I'm sure listeners will be thrilled to, to have this one. Um, once again, the guests have been Larissa, Jamie, Jane and Sam. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us. Or if you'd like to take part on a future podcast, please give me a message. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you so much for listening today.